If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is Locked and Loaded with Rick Munn on TNT. Yes, Locked and Loaded with Rick Munn, TNT. Today's news talk. It is Thursday, the 25th of January, 2024. We're steaming through 2024 already. Hey, we're knocking on the door of February already. I don't know what it is like where you live, but I'm seeing a little stretch in the nights now, which is nice. And of course, with the madness of the clocks going forward and back, it's not going to be too long before we're going to have these long uh, spring nights again and longer mornings, which is nice not having to wake up in the dark and go to work in the dark and then people coming home in the dark. So a little glimmer there uh, happening with the weather here and it's also quite mild. This isn't a weather report that I'm giving you, but I'm just saying last week it was minus five. Not at the minute, it's 10 degrees and there's little uh, leaves popping through. I'm noticing on my walks, noting what's happening in nature. There's leaves, little buds of leaves coming through and little daffodils poking through the soil at the moment. So yeah, I'm going all uh, all hippie on you here, but it's nice to see. So whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and of course, whatever you're doing, we hope it's nice. Uh, hopefully you'll stay tuned to the top of the hour. I have two guests lined up uh, to speak with this morning. Hopefully we'll connect with Tony Gosling at around about 20 past. And then uh, coming back like the prodigal son, we have none other than Ed Cooper, AKA Rise Melbourne, an old friend of mine off the old Twitter platform he's going to be making an appearance again fingers crossed uh, at 22 so that's all to come as well as of course uh, a chat with Gemma uh, just in case you aren't already aware we have a website tntradio.live you can go there uh, you can uh, check out what's happening the scheduling the presenters new people coming on all the time the morning shows have been uh, really transformed and strengthened over the last week or two with uh, Sonia Poulton and also Abby Roberts uh, they're both doing fantastic work work in the mornings as well, UK based. And then of course, Natalie and I, and then this show, James Freeman and on and on it goes. We're really strengthening our hand here, especially in the mornings with the UK. So hopefully you people are enjoying that. Also, if you miss any of the shows, you can listen back to them on Spotify or Apple Music or any of the major streaming platforms. And of course, you can listen in live using our app, which is available for download on the TNT or on the App Store or the Google Play Store. If you simply search TNT Radio. Uh, what's happening in the world? Madness, madness, madness abounds. We're talking about uh, in, uh, uh, asylum seekers, uh, refugees piling into Ireland. At one point, the land that flowed with milk and honey for them, they were getting 220 euro a week benefits. That's due to be cut from early February down to around about 38 euro. So maybe that will deter so many people from piling into Ireland at the minute. That's quite a substantial cut down from uh, 220 to 38 a week, massive drop there. So maybe people will think twice before making their way all the way over here to Ireland. Uh, another news item, I suppose you would call it here. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll bounce this one off of Gemma. I know she has another one to talk about, but I'll run this one past her too, because I think it's quite interesting. So we'll take a little pause here and Gemma will be in, well, she is incoming, she's here. We just have simply have to reveal her to you lovely people. And we're gonna do that in a split second on TNT, today's news talk. Your voice heard here. The government needs to step up and do its job. Today's news talk radio, TNT.
You know, Jim, whenever I say people are incoming, I don't know if you remember the Iranian embassy seized that the SAS uh, very famously uh, took out some terrorists. You know, you saw them abseiling down the wind, the, the walls. You saw them putting frame charges. There was explosions, puffs of smoke, gun smoke. That's the kind of picture I'm trying to paint for you making an arrival to do the news editorials, but I'm bursting bubbles here. You're already in the studio. You haven't abseiled in. You're not letting off smoke grenades, and you certainly aren't carrying a Heckler and Koch semi automatic rifle or are you well i was about to say or am i or mm. am i no of course i'm not no but there's no there's no need to i'll be bringing a few truth bombs that's, that's probably my my biggest oh, mission isn't it beautiful. on tnt <laughs> yeah, truth bombs. I never even thought about that one. That's fantastic. Uh, this is just a little aside here. I just want to get your input on it. Uh, British activist Sam Melia has been found guilty of inciting hatred for sharing stickers. Stickers. Uh, the stickers contain messages deemed to be hateful by a court, uh, such as nationalism is nurture and reject white guilt. This is dystopian. This is everyone's uh, future under hate speech laws. So this guy here has been found guilty, Leeds Crown Court. They heard the charges uh, that he allegedly distributed uh, stickers between 2019 and 2021. He then had them posted in public places and encouraged thousands of online followers to imitate him. So now we have a man found guilty by jury of uh, spreading hatred for simply ordering stickers saying such things as uh, we will be a minority in our homeland by 2066, which is a definite possibility. But then again, even if it's right or wrong, is it right to find this man guilty of this just for sticking stickers up in a public place? Well, it, 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 it's, it's a platform, isn't it? Uh, and mm -hmm. that's what they want to clamp down on all platforms. And they will include sticker. They will they will probably include that as some kind of um, unofficial street broadcast. I remember when I was at my previous employer, and we were told uh, very uh, in no uncertain terms that social media included private WhatsApp channels. You know where you had to be invited to go on, and you were in a space of like-minded people. No, no, no. That was a broadcast space, and if you were an employee, you had to be careful of what you said outside of work. So I think mm -hmm. that's what that's they will consider anything a platform now. You know, you want to sticker a bus stop, that becomes a broadcast platform because you are putting a message up which will be seen by an audience, um, and you don't know who that audience is. You know, they're made up of cross-section of the public, effectively. So I think that's where they, they will argue the toss on that um, and, and to say that's hate speech on a broadcast platform. It's it's ludicrous. It almost will in, in, inevitably, uh, it, you know, they've tried to encroach on the human body. I think that if you have a tattoo that doesn't agree with the narrative, that will be a broadcast platform. If you take your shirt mm -hmm. off on the beach and you have a, a tattoo that says you're anti, anti jab, will they consider that hate speech because it's being broadcast? You see, you have to be so careful now of where, mm -hmm. where, where we are going in society with opinions that aren't, uh, you know, what if the opinion had gone the other way, you see? What if it was the opposite opinion? I'm not casting any judgment on the opinions. I'm just saying, what yeah. if it was the opposite view? And, and would that have been okay? Or you're not allowed to broadcast that either? I think it's uh, the medium is the message and the medium is increasingly moved away from traditional means to social media, to the internet, and now things like stickers, because it, what they want to control more than anything is just the, the, the flow of information, wherever it comes from. That's true. And in fact, that's a good point that you make. What if the message had been flipped or reversed with the same Crown Court jury have found him guilty? So, for example, one of the stickers said, reject white guilt. What if he had stickers printed up saying, accept white guilt, accept white privilege, accept critical race theory or whatever it happens to be? Or we we will not, we will be flooded uh, and replaced by 2066. Would the flip side of that message then have been acceptable? That's a very interesting one. And I wonder, will any test cases be brought uh, to 
to the contrary, because, you know, case law is very important going forward for all future law cases. So this one's going to be used, no doubt. Is there anything even there to counter that? I don't think that there is. No, I'm only think about back to the last four years of activism of the, you know, here in the UK, we had the white rose stickers who were who were po posting counters to the official narrative about the scandemic and the injections and the fear campaign from the mainstream media. And they were being ripped down as fast as they were being put up. But thankfully, thousands, tens of thousands of people were putting them up um, and they were everywhere. You did see them everywhere. Um, but I think that's possibly where where this is kind of dovetailed in, um, maybe this guy operating as a lone wolf uh, with his before the scandemic, and then suddenly the explosion of white rose stickers challenging government narratives everywhere, everywhere. They were everywhere. They're on bus shelters, toilet doors. I saw them everywhere. Um, in fact, a few people I knew were distributing and stickering them. You know, in, in where mm -hmm. I live, maybe even I did. I'm not saying. I, you know, it's just it's just one of those things that was happening. But maybe the government saw people going back to traditional methods of of information dissemination because the white rose took their inspiration from what happened in the Second World War, uh, where propaganda, anti-propaganda had to had to had to basically go back to grassroots like fanzines and printed mm -hmm. public printed leaflets. So. The, the government are everywhere. They keep an eye on everything. And they, I think this is just indicative of a clampdown on anything they see is people taking information dissemination into their own hands, however they do it. Yeah, I think you're right. So that, uh, that's just something that I saw. Wanted to get your input on that one. So many thanks for that. We have another story here uh, to do with knife crime in London. I don't know if you heard Limbit in the previous hour, but he was uh, robbed yesterday at a Pret-a-Manger in uh, London. Shame on him for buying that muck out of Pret-a-Manger. I'm not saying he deserved it, but yeah, it's ridiculous that he was robbed yesterday. And he also testified he was robbed at Knife Point last year and had his mobile phone stolen. So Following on the heels of the hunt for that one, uh, this story seems to tie in well. Yeah, it does. I, and I did know about Lembeck getting robbed last year because he and I used to do the, the breakfast show together mm -hmm. uh, before um, Sonia Poulton uh, came in. But yeah, and robbed again. His, his luck is not, it's not very mm. good, is it? But yeah, knife crime is a huge topic today because the government are bringing in, as we speak, this new legislation against these zombie knives. Um, but hours before this legislation was, it was due to be brought through, you know, in the early hours, late yesterday, early hours of yesterday morning, this morning, um, there was an attack with one of these zombie knives in North London and the attackers fled the scene. Police are still looking for him, but he left the zombie knife at the scene of the crime. And these things, I've, I mean, I've been hearing about zombie knives and I haven't engaged with it that much. I've had no real reason to till today because of these new laws. But these zombie knives, Rick, are really horrible and i know they're called zombie knives because they're like they emulate the zombie knives in movies but they are just they're not like they're not like a kitchen carving knife not that that would be any better at all but they are really quite horrific things so the government today in its in its wisdom it's been trying to cramp clamp down on these now for, since 20 2016 i think um, when they were banned it's today saying that they're going to tighten up all these loopholes because currently a zombie knife the definition is it's got serrated edge and a cutting edge but it's also got words and images on it that indicate it's going to be used for violence that's the loophole they're today going to say it doesn't these knives don't need to have words and images on them we are classing them as as, as really dangerous and we're going to um tighten the laws which will come into effect in september not today it's just going through the houses of parliament today um so it, it will also strengthen sentences uh basically if you're caught with one of these things these banned weapons from september your sentence could go from a maximum of six months to two years uh, police will also have the powers to seize and destroy any knives like this found in your home if they've got reasonable grounds to think they're going to be used for criminality um families are calling upon the government to make 
knife possession of whatever type of knife uh, mandatory prison sentence after, you know, knife crime is endemic now, isn't it, in our society, especially London. Uh, but other people have come out and said, no, you don't understand the culture of knife crime. We've got the actor Idris Elba in this country, famous for his role in Luther, amongst other things. He's saying a lot of young men, especially, carry knives out of fear because if they don't and they're attacked, they've got no way to defend themselves. And we were talking the last hour about fighting fire with fire. Does it ever really work? So these laws are going through today, but I think one of the main things to take away from this story, looking at these knives, is how have we got to this in a culture where, where the, you know, people are armed with, with these things? They're, they're like machetes. They're huge. They're horribly threatening. Uh, how have we got here in a culture? And how has it taken the government such a long time to close this loophole? It's taken them years while the knife crime levels in the UK have been going up and up and up and up. And we've had more and more victims. Um, that's what the question I would ask on this, because they really are quite, quite distressing to, to look at these things. You know what? Here's the thing. Uh, the, the argument has been made, listen, if you want to stab someone, you're going to get a knife, whether it's a zombie knife or not. And I take that point on board. But looking at the pictures of these things, uh, they're extremely evil and wicked and malevolent looking things. I think that they're made that way to make them more attractive to people who are attracted to violence. They're not likely to go into the kitchen, you know, and pick up a, you know, a butter knife versus a, you know, a two foot long zombie blade with serrated edges and, you know, death and murder written up the handles. They're meant to be attractive uh, to certain groups of people. And certainly banning zombie knives won't result in a, you know, an eradication of this type of knife crime and attack. But I do think, Gemma, it will certainly make a difference. It will save some people's lives because these things are attractive. I don't know if you remember First Blood when it first came out with Sylvester Stallone. He had a big knife in that. And as soon as I saw that film back in 1985, I couldn't rest until I got myself a Rambo knife. And I did get one when I was 12 years of age. I didn't carry it around with me, but I was attracted to it because there was someone cool on the TV had it and it opened up and there was a compass in it and he could sew up his arm when he jumped off a cliff and fell through the trees and then he used that they, you know, sharpen stakes and make booby traps. As a 13-year-old or a 12-year-old, that was all very awesome to me, very attractive to me. And in the same way, I think these things are marketed to impressionable young people. I can't see a, you know, a 50-year-old man going out and, you know, lusting after a zombie knife, but a 12, 13-year-old kid, I can definitely see them wanting one of those hanging up behind the bedroom door. Yeah, well, I mean, this is why they're called zombie knives, isn't it? Because they come from these zombie films, which are mm -hmm. really, really popular and they've got cult followings. Um, but of course, you know, zombies are are mythical. Well, are they mythical? No, no, let's not go down that road. Zombies are well, zombies. They're all over right? the, where I live. They're everywhere. <laughs> zombies are zombies. Young men and young people or anyone carrying knives. I mean, you do wonder how much of this is wrapped up in gang crime. We don't know that, but it's a possibility, certainly a possibility of how much violence is gang related as opposed to random person on person and anonymous person related. We don't know. I haven't, I haven't uh, boiled those statistics down. Um, but these, these have certainly come out of entertain popular entertainment, just like you're saying with Rambo First Blood. And that is an absolutely exceptional movie. Uh, yeah. I completely, um, you know, who's not on John Rambo's side in that? We all are, aren't we? Cheering him on with his knife and that. But th it's gone too far now. Now they're kind of blur between what happens on a Hollywood screen or an entertainment screen and what's happening out on the streets, which is a tragic loss of life. And my heart goes out. I've read some of the testimonies of families that have lost 
um, you know, loved ones to knife crime. And it's absolutely heart wrenching. Um, and it's just the, the 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 senseless violence. And and as I say before, how we've got to this place in our society where these two foot lethal weapons are somehow accepted as a means of so-called defense um, and, and a method of killing. It really it shows something has been lost in our humanity, I think. Whether this works, though, like you say, is, is it going to work? Well, once something's embedded in our culture, how long does it take to get rid of it? You, you know, or can you ever get rid of it? Yeah, that's the question. Just a little bit of trivia on Rambo First Blood. Uh, if you actually, uh, if you go and watch some early interviews with Sylvester Stallone, he wrote and uh, screenplays and, you know, Rocky and whatnot. That was all his brainchild. It's fascinating to listen to about those movies. But the first cut of First Blood apparently was almost three hours long and Stallone wanted to never release it because Rambo was actually a real obnoxious character in it. He talked a lot. He was very nasty. He tortured animals in the first cut of First Blood. And when he watched it back, he thought, no one's going to like this guy. He talks too much. We need to cut all the dialogue. Literally all the dialogue needs to be cut from this film. So they edited down version of the film where he doesn't really say very much. He just does things, made it more endearing to the audience. But the first sweep of First Blood, even Stallone detested it so much, he never wanted anyone to see it. He said, John Rambo's an obnoxious prick instead of you know the ex-vietnam veteran that everybody now knows and emulates so interesting little piece of trivia there for you too uh on the history of first blood go and check out some of those interviews on youtube early stallone interviews about his movies they're quite fascinating actually but that's just a little tangent uh massive thanks to you Gem, as always for bringing us that story so please stay tuned actually basil valentine is beaming in in place of our other guest uh we couldn't get him for technical reasons but baz is stepping up to the plate so don't go away stay tuned for more magic here on tnt today's news talk tnt's timothy shea the race is essentially now vivek ramaswamy and Nikki Haley. Ron disappoints us will be pulling his hat from the ring next. And the issue, as always, is why is the Nikki taking so much of the left's money? Well, maybe this will give you a little insight. She credits Hillary Clinton with inspiring her to enter politics, having attended a women's leadership summit at which Hillary spoke. And Nikki said, and I quote, I then had to decide whether I was a Republican or Democrat. See, Nikki has no core beliefs other than doing whatever her globalist masters, paymasters, want her to say. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT. <laughs> My baby's back from the West Coast. <laughs> Hear those pictures that you asked for for your school project? First day of school, cute as a button. <laughs> so long ago. Oh, here's Grandma Florence after that flood wiped out the whole neighborhood. Mm. Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe. And it's the best way to protect that legacy. Ah, those <laughs> beans smell heavenly. Mm -hmm. Give mom a little credit. You know what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. Oh, great idea. At my dorm, we have emergency kits for earthquakes and wildfires, but I'm sure there's something more local I can send you with the link. Okay. Smart. 
I'm coming to share with you guys. Protect your legacy. Plan for natural disasters today. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNT Radio live. Okay, this is TNT, today's news talk. We're beaming at you live from the Gold Coast in uh, wonderful Australia. However, we're spread all over the world here and uh, in all different locations in every nook and cranny. You can find either a TNT presenter or a TNT listener. So uh, I'm very happy to be joined again on the airwaves by my old sparring partner from days of yore, none other than <laughs> Basil Valentine, it's nice to have you back on the show, Basil. Uh, an unexpected pleasure, you might say, but a pleasure yes. nonetheless. Yes, well, it's great to be working with you again, Rick. And uh, good morning, good evening to our listeners all around the world. Mm, indeed. Now, uh, I have a few things here that I want to bounce off of you in the short time that we have here together. Uh, Basil, the talk that's doing the rounds, uh, it's a real uh, hot topic for discussion, is this business of conscription. Now, whether or not it actually uh, is brought into place is highly doubtful. However, people are talking about it. Is it a red herring? Are the government just fielding uh testing the waters as it were getting a feel for what the public's reaction for this would be or are they crazy enough to actually go ahead and try and push through conscription at a time like this when public sentiment would appear to be very much against the idea what do you think um, they're not going to get anybody to sign up it's as simple as that who wants to go and fight one of these completely idiotic self-destructive wars against russia I mean, what species of lunacy is this, Rick? We grew up in a world of, uh, admittedly, the Cold War, where the accepted doctrine was that war with a nuclear-armed power was completely out of the question because it would result in mutually assured destruction. Mad. That was the doctrine that kept the peace in the post-war period. Um uh, and did so very successfully with then growing detente through the 1970s and 80s, leading up to the fall of the Berlin Wall and the collapse of the Soviet Union in the early 1990s and the so-called peace dividend, which was supposed to mean that countries turned away from spending billions of dollars on weaponry because there was no longer any need. One commentator described it as the end of history. I knew at the time he was wrong about that. But certainly through the 1990s, we had a period of much greater optimism with respect to international affairs and a decrease in tension. Something happened at the beginning of the 21st century. What was it? Well, there was the Twin Towers for one thing. Uh, but also this enmity towards Russia. Uh, and uh, for the life of me, I can't understand where it's coming from. You know, we can remember, Rick, I'm sure, in the 90s, oh, look, uh, Elton John's gone on tour to Russia now. Russia is all trendy. Russians were coming to the UK, some of them enormously rich, some of them not so. But, you know, wasn't it great that Russia was no longer our enemy? And yet from somewhere uh, has come this, idea that no Russia is our enemy again um, even though its military operations in Eastern Europe are solely uh, involved in protecting ethnic Russian populations uh, hotheads are saying that uh, you know Russia has plans to invade the rest of Europe other such utter complete and utter nonsense uh, so this is now results in these 
idiots like uh, General Sir Patrick, whatever his name, Sir Patrick Sanders, saying that the UK must be ready to train and equip citizens for future conflict. These warmongers, Rick, uh, you know, they're, they're deranged. They're being some crazed reality all of their own. And here's the thing, Basil, of course, if, for example, today you were of a military age and you felt uh, patriotic and you wanted to go and fight against Mother Russia or protect NATO, there's nothing stopping you from uh, willfully or, uh, you know, without any coercion and volunteering to go down and sign up and join the army, which, of course, many people do. They go and join the armed forces. That's their choice. I think the problem comes whenever you try and force this conscription in. The public backlash would be huge. And I don't know if you can remember or not, but what triggered me thinking yesterday was you remember uh, Liz Truss before she became the temporary unelected prime minister? I remember her on a BBC interview actually encouraging men of Britain, if they felt so led to do that, they could go ahead and fight uh, Putin's Russia as a mercenary. They would have Blighty's full uh, backing and uh, you know a round of applause from her and her cohorts. Feel free to go and fight as a militia. We know some people did do that, but they weren't exactly lining up in their tens of thousands to go and combat in uh, Ukraine, were they? Well, absolutely not. And it's illegal as well, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I don't think UK citizens are allowed to just, you know, <laughs> fly around the world as mercenaries. Uh, I sincerely hope not, you know. So, yeah, um, we've got to turn away from militarism. The whole world has to, Rick, or we are all doomed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, defence spending, or rather war spending, is at record highs worldwide. And uh, where you have huge amounts amounts of armaments lying around that they tend to get used sooner or later and this results in casualties. We need only look at the tragic situation in Gaza and in Ukraine to find that out. Yeah, it's 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 horrific. Uh, we've got to take a little pause, Basil, just for uh, news headlines. When we come back, I want to look at uh, the state of the NHS here in the UK, just following on from a, a, a an incident, I suppose you would say, that would happen with Rishi Sunak yesterday, who was almost uh, you know disgustingly dismissive of a statement that a lady had made regards to the state of the NHS. So please stay tuned for more here uh, of the same on TNT, today's news talk. What brings you here? News. News entirely. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. A Russian military jet carrying 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war has been blown out of the sky over Russia, allegedly shot down by Kyiv's own air defences. New Zealand's sending a small group of soldiers to the Middle East to help the international coalition that is supposed to stop Houthi attacks in the Red Sea. And the White House has called on Congress to approve a $20 billion sale of F-16 fighter jets and modernization kits to Turkey. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Okay, live in conversation right now with none other than Mr. Basil Valentine. And if you don't already do so, you can follow him on the X or Twitter platform at says, S-A-Y-S, Basil, B-A-S-I-L. And this is something actually that you had reposted yesterday, Basil, uh, from Richie Allen. Basically, uh, there was footage that emerged of Rishi Sunak 
the so-called uh, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, challenging his morning, uh, challenged this morning, or that was yesterday morning, by a former health worker on the state of the NHS. So an off-duty uh, Sky cameraman captured this. So basically, this lady said, you can make the NHS go back to the way it was, a former worker told Sunak, who promptly burst out laughing. Uh, if they were not alone in being filmed, Sunak might have said, I'm a puppet, my dear. I have no real power. Democracy is an illusion. How offensive is it, Basil, if I was to come up to you and make an impassioned plea for you to do something that would benefit the people of the United Kingdom and or Ireland, and you just simply laughed in my face? Is that not the ultimate insult? Well, it's indicative of how arrogant the current crop of politicians are uh, and how they see themselves as some sort of protected class. This was in Winchester. And uh, Sunak walked away as this woman told her, told him her daughter spent seven hours waiting. Um, I think politicians in an election year, which we're certain to have in Britain this year, they need to be barracked, vilified and heckled wherever they go, because Britain has never been governed worse than it is now. Uh, the unfortunate thing, of course, is that uh, the principal opposition party offer no relief whatsoever. Mr. Margarine himself, Wes Streeting, uh, it's been discovered he's taken huge amounts of money from American private healthcare services, as has Starmer, as do the Conservative Party, and they're all determined on part privatizing the NHS, something nobody has ever voted for in Britain or ever will vote for. So I'm afraid our politics in Britain is completely broken, Rick. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I can only hope that some independent candidates uh, around the country stand and manage to unseat some of these god awful people. Yeah, I don't know if you've had any personal experiences dealing with the NHS recently. Thankfully, I haven't. But uh, someone told me yesterday that uh, 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 someone they know is currently in a hospital uh, with a you know, Crohn's disease. Uh, they haven't been admitted yet because of no beds to put them in. She's been in a bed in a corridor for around about three days now because they won't let her go home. And they actually approached her yesterday, Basil, and said, would you mind sitting in a chair and giving that bed in the corridor to someone else because there's other people that are coming in that we've assessed to be worse than you? Imagine that, stuck in a bed, in a trolley with no privacy for three days and then being asked to vacate the bed and simply sit and sleep in a seat while someone else takes the bed in the troll uh, in the corridor while you're waiting for a hospital ward has it really gotten that bad they didn't even do that in carry on doctor did they rick you know no. um it's dismal it really is and what this woman was particularly complaining about to sunak yesterday uh is that the accident and emergency department in Winchester is set to be closed and a new acute hospital costing £900 million pounds, uh, is going to be built in Basingstoke. Well, it's a long way from Winchester to Basingstoke. And, um, you know, the whole point of accident and emergency departments is that they are for emergencies. And that means you've got to get there quickly because it's an emergency. And it's 45 minutes drive from Winchester to Basingstoke, depending on the traffic. So, uh, you know, uh, how you can have an emergency department 
located mm-hmm. so far away from a conurbation like that is appalling. But this is what's happening all around the country. It's this sort of misguided attempt always to sort of corporatize and streamline. And we've got to have a bigger, shinier one, but it's going to be 50 miles down the road. The, the key thing about the NHS and the old cottage hospitals was that they provided services on the spot, very close Mm. to where people lived. And it might not be the biggest and fanciest accidents and emergency department in the world at Winchester, but it's a thousand times better than nothing. Correct. Correct. And that's the thing. I think most people could testify to the fact that they could, they know of hospital closures in their area or any departments being closed within hospitals within their areas that has resulted in them maybe having to make a 20 or 30 mile trip before they can get their local A&E department. And as you say, uh, any old A&E department is certainly better than no A&E department at all. Uh, I want to cover one other thing with you just before uh, we come up to time here, Basil, we've only got a few minutes left, but tomorrow uh, you'd flagged up something else that the International Court of Justice ruling is due uh, by tomorrow, by around about midday. Can you give us an update what you think might be the outcome of that or what the consequences will be, depending on uh, what the outcome of that will be tomorrow? Well, uh, we've, you know, all decent human beings have got everything crossed that uh, the ICJ will find Israel guilty of genocide and Uh, issue an injunction to stop its military action in Gaza, and that then goes before the Security Council. There's every likelihood that the United States, should that happen, will veto it in the Security Council. Uh, Think of that, vetoing a decision by the International Court of Justice trying to prevent genocide. That's where we may well be by the beginning of next week, which is quite extraordinary. But if the United States does that, then the resolution goes to the General Assembly where it need only pass by a simple majority. So first of all, the verdict itself tomorrow, uh, I think the indication is, and I was uh, reading some legal opinions last night, the likelihood is that they will find Israel guilty because if they didn't, if they weren't going to, they wouldn't have come to a decision as quickly as tomorrow. In other words, they would have kicked the thing into the long grass and stalled for several weeks, allowing the situation to develop. And then, you see what I mean? And then announced, oh, actually, we don't think so or whatever, you know. So the fact that they're going to make the announcement tomorrow, people reading between the lines say they think they're going to find Israel guilty. Then it remains to be seen, will Israel abide by that? Yeah. And Netanyahu already said, no one in The Hague is going to stop us. Uh, And then more important, well, every bit is important for us. Will the US and the UK stand by the ICJ decision or are, you know, is uh, Rishi Sunak going to turn around and say, we reject the ICJ decision? So in other words, we as a government partisan effectively uh you know because uh, we support israel so strongly that we're going to reject the decision of the highest court in the world now that would be a very sinister and dark place for britain to place itself indeed it would and we won't have too long to wait before we find out uh, where they're actually going to be near uh, what 
really they're going to be nailing their colours to which mask at uh, mast whenever these uh, rulings are made and of course as you rightly say the question is will they be abided by by Netanyahu and company time will ultimately tell on that one so we don't have too long to wait before we find that right. out but Basil thank you so very 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 much uh, for stepping into the breach here this morning uh, and having a chat with me it's always a pleasure to talk to you that's Mr Basil Valentine we've got to take thank a little break you're welcome, my friend. You're welcome. Uh, we're going to take a break right now, and we'll be back by, uh, with Ed Cooper, a.k.a. Rise Melbourne. Fingers crossed here after this short break on TNT, today's news talk. I'm Naheem Hines, professional football player and proud supporter of the Muscular Dystrophy Association. My mom was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 14, and I watched her struggle. But MDA helped her get the best treatments and care, and they also help kids like my buddy Ethan. My name is Ethan, and I'm 12 years old. Thanks to the Muscular Dystrophy Association and people like you, I have more hope than ever before. From day one, they've treated me like family at my local care center. MDA is the only one that funds over 150 care centers across the U.S. to help provide state-of-the-art care for adults and kids like me. For over 70 years, MDA has been transforming the lives of people living with muscular dystrophy, ALS, and other related neuromuscular diseases. They fund the research for breakthrough treatments, care, and cures. And MDA provides support to thousands of families like mine and Ethan's in communities like yours. Thanks to MDA, kids and adults can live life to its fullest. Join us and learn more at MDA.org today. I'm Belinda, and this is Willard, and we were adopted in 2021. When we first met Todd, he was singing a song, and I was like, wow, look at this kid with the biggest smile, <laughs> and he has a big heart to match. The energy you give Todd, you get it back from Todd. Yes. Todd's a joy. Yes, Todd's really is a great joy. I love him. <laughs> you and you. <laughs> Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Informative and engaging. Rick Munn. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, I am genuinely super happy to see this next chap, nay, uh, vagabond, coming back uh, to TNT like the proverbial prodigal son we have joining us here this morning live from Melbourne, none other than Ed Cooper, a.k.a. Rise Melbourne, Rise Melbourne, Ed, welcome back. Uh, how the hell are you, my friend? Yeah, look, uh, been a long time, Rick. Uh, look, things are good. I don't even want to talk about the past, what happened. I'll get into that later on. Been good, though. Yeah, back finally to full health and, um, yeah, ready to get through the next couple of months, mate. I think some precarious times coming up, mate. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I was just saying before uh, you came on there, Ed and I were talking amongst ourselves. Ed was on from the very start of TNT uh, when we kicked off in January of 2022. Uh, unfortunately, you had a bout of ill health there, Ed, uh, from around about October 2022. But now uh, you're back up to pretty much full strength again. And I do really appreciate you uh, coming on uh, for a chat again today. We have a lot to squeeze in the very, very short time. I was talking yesterday with the guest and he, he reminded me of you talking to a guy called Ian Davis. And, you know, we've been banging on now for, for quite some time of trying to counter the narratives that are put out there by the mainstream media, by yeah. the government. And sometimes you can question yourself. You think, am I making a difference? Is this sinking in anywhere? Are people even waking up? But I think they are, mate, because the amount of kickback 
people are giving now to things like, for example, uh, booster shots or in the UK, MMR uptakes are down 15% uh, HPV for kids. Parents aren't bringing their kids to get jabbed after the last few years. Conscription, they're talking about sending uh, Brits over to fight against Russia. Around about two thirds of the people polled said, hell no, we're not going to do anything like that. And that's why they're trying to keep people like us quiet because we're providing a, a counter narrative to the government propaganda that's out there. And it's working. It's working because people are taking a stand saying, no, we're not going down that road. We're just not doing it. What do you reckon? Is, it, is that encouraging it is. or what? Yeah, look, looking back now, so yeah, what a difference in the last 18 months, you know, it's really pushed ahead 100%. So people are waking up. There's no doubt about that. I still think we've got some caution. We're going to have some caution because mm -hmm. what's happening now is we're starting to see this whole Israel-Palestine uh, war has really split yep. the group again. And so mm -hmm. it's very important that we try to educate people to stay united because they're going to keep throwing out, as you know, I'm big on this stuff, mate. So mm -hmm. they're going to keep throwing out psyops to split the group. They just want to keep mm -hmm. bringing that group down. So every time they have something new, we get a split again. So we've got to yep. be very vigilant and stay together. Yeah, we're definitely making a difference, 100%. Yeah. Wise words. And to give you your credit as well, even though you were sick, you were still banging it out there on uh, social media. You're relentless uh, on social media. And, you know, big salute to you for doing that. Thank and you. you've certainly steered a lot of people in the right direction. And I know there's other things you could be off there doing with your time, especially when you weren't feeling the greatest. Yeah. But big salute to you, mate, uh, for continuing to fly the flag, especially over in Australia. Want to look at Australia a little bit. Uh, since you came on, the last time it's crazy, all the so-called uh, lockdown COVID premiers are gone. So Dan Andrews is gone. Mark McGowan is gone. Michael Gunner has gone. Anastasia Polishy has gone. I think Berejiklian, the Tukin, as you called her, she had already gone the last time you talked, but there's been a little bit of a changing of the guard over yeah. in Oz. Has it made any difference day-to-day uh, yeah. -day in Oz having that old char swept to the side? Look, as you know, I've spoken about this in length. It's part of the plan, Rick. These guys are always going to go. So they were never going to get to another election. They've done the job. They've done the damage. They've vaccinated the whole country. It was all part of the, I believe it's part of the script. So, yeah, look, things are good here. So people are definitely waking up. And, you know, at the moment you can live freely and no one's touching you. But, look, we, we know what's coming, mate. The next couple of years, and, and I don't say this to scare anyone, we're going to be in some big trouble, mate. So it's important I keep stressing the people, keep talking, waking people up, because that's the only thing that's going to stop this, mate. We need non-compliance, and that's it. And you don't need to pick up a weapon, Rick, and you don't need – I mean, it's good to have resistance, but you do not need to have violence. You just need to stop complying, and then they can't touch you. Exactly. That's it. And that's the message that you've always brought. And, you know, we agreed exactly. on that right off the get-go uh, when we started doing these talks on TNT. Mass non-compliance is all that yeah. it takes. If enough people say, no, it's like conscription. Uh, they could threaten me, for example. I'm too old uh, to be conscripted to the army now. I'm 50 now. But at the end of the day, even if I was a young man and they said, look, you either go and fight Russia or you do three years in prison, I'll say, well, put me in prison for three years. I'm not going to fight your war. I'm not going to yeah. end up a statistic for some politician. And if enough people had... If enough people said, I'm not going to do it, jail me. They don't have enough jail space to put everyone in. They can't lock everybody up because of non-compliance. So if enough people are doing it, and this is the key, once you get that tipping point there, they can do nothing about it. So that's exactly. what we're trying to do. Tip, tip the balance, I suppose, exactly. in our favor, look, isn't it? 
and we're getting there, Rick. So things have improved a lot. So a lot more people, are, you know, they're not buying into the narrative, as you said. No one's getting vaccines. And these are all, these are all good signs, you know. But we've got to keep the foot on the pedal and keep mm-hmm. pushing because they're going to keep coming, mate. And, you know, the next big thing, forget about the WHO treaty, the next big thing is the climate, the lockdowns. They're going to try to take your house, carbon credits. We're in for some wild rides, you know. So, look. I keep saying it and I sound like a broken record, mate. Just get enough people non compliant, they can't touch you. Simple as that. And I think, Ed, that's why uh, the, the governments have recognized that we, just people like you, you're a normal guy. I'm a normal guy. There's nothing special about us, but we're just simply using our voices and we're using the tools at our disposal to try and encourage people to think critically, to be skeptical about what the government tells them. And that's dangerous. That's why they're trying to push laws through the hate speech bill in Ireland, for example, or the online protection bill in the UK. And even in uh, Australia, they're trying to clamp down on uh, online censorship, what is treated as misinformation. If you were just a lunatic ranting and raving in Melbourne, surely they would leave you alone. But when you become de- dangerous they want to shut you up and shut you down so in a way it's a testimony exactly. that we must be doing something right otherwise we'd be coming after exactly like and that's what's happening right now so we're seeing all these you know these hate speech laws and these you know uh monitoring of social media and stuff again it's all it's all bluff rick and and we've got to keep we've got to keep stressing the people that's why it's important when we see something that's not right and something that we think the government's involved with and staged we've got to call it out because we need to keep people nice and we need to keep us united and we need to stay focused and not get distracted. That's the important key here, mate. Because And they're, you know, they're always throwing uh, spanners in the works. I'm thinking about Australia, even again, since the last time you were on for the longest time there, there was this voice to parliament referendum that was hugely divisive in Australia. That didn't go through. Now, even uh, tomorrow, I understand, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is Australia Day. And I'm looking at some of the headlines that are coming out about Australia Day. Here's, I'm just going to read the the headlines out to you here. For example, The Guardian says, Invasion Day 2024, a guide to protest marches and events across Australia tomorrow. Uh, Daily Mail says, Child Care Centre spark outrage over Invasion Day indoctrination. ABC said the Australian Day events that have been planned. And then the Sydney Morning Herald says, Australia Day, question mark. None of us are too keen on celebrating it. What do they mean, none of us? There's nothing to back that statement up. That's just a trash story by a trash publication. None of us are wanting to celebrate it. Maybe some people don't, but I'm sure there's a damn lot of people that do. And should they not be allowed to crack on without being made to feel guilty? A hundred percent, Rick. And it's, it's, again, it's all scripted. Uh, they're just trying to push the divide exactly like they did with the anti-vaxxers and the vaxxers back in 2020. They're doing it again. I don't know if you saw the news today. Someone cut down a Captain Cook statue. Did you mm. see that? I did, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, again, I, I say it's the government. The government was behind it. It happened at 3.30 in the morning, Rick. We've seen the famous 33 again. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what they do. They keep trying to divide people, you know, and all day I've seen people tweeting about it. Just got to tell people, keep focused because they're just going to keep dividing the group down, Rick. And I, I can't stress it enough. We just need to stick together and be smart and be vigilant. You know, um, you saw with Ireland, I mean, the stabbing, I still don't buy that, the big stabbing that they had in the street. I heard nothing of it afterwards. There was no footage. Again, that was to divide the public. I'm not condoning violence, mate. So I'm not saying that if that happened, it was, uh, you know, it, it was the right thing to do. What I'm saying is, we need to educate people on what the government's doing to keep us divided. It's very well, important. Here's, 
here's here's something else that I would say. I mean, like you cover, uh, you're known for covering worldwide protests that go on uh, when the Canadian truckers were doing their protests, the Dutch farmers, uh, people taken to the streets in Italy and France and Germany, all over Europe. You are always documenting them on the streets, yeah. what they're doing and why they're doing it. There's an awful lot of uprising going on in Europe at the minute that you must take heart from. Uh, it's to do with the clamping down on farmers, the people the farmers, who provide yeah. the food on our table. So yeah. in uh, France and in Germany, in Romania, uh, they're they're causing massive, massive, massive disruptions. Nobody's got guns. Uh, nobody's throwing bricks and bottles. They're simply causing disruption to day-to-day uh, -day life in a peaceful non-violent way and it's rattling a lot of cages and again they're trying to demonize those people for peaceful non-compliance and for raising their voices uh, in a non-threatening way again if that wasn't so dangerous they would just let them crack on with it but there's too many of them to ignore and it so that must be uh, encouraging too yeah those protests that we're seeing at the moment they're perfect because there's no violence they're disrupting daily life mm -hmm. and yes it does impact the normal citizen a little bit but you know what that's, that's the way you've got to do it because it mm -hmm. the only way to stop these guys is to not comply and cause disruption to their system and that system is they, they rely on that farming there's a lot of money to make taxes if we can crush that system they've got no chance mate and that's no you don't need a weapon you know i see people getting violent and talking about weapons and taking over you don't need it that's what they want rick so you know i keep telling people just stay calm stay focused it's a, it's a it's a battle of attrition here You're just going to last the longest and you know ed uh, the other thing, uh, just as we're coming up to time, we've only got about five yeah. minutes left. I mean, we're trying to squeeze as much as we can into this time that we'll have here together. The other thing that we always would have tried to touch on when we talked together or tried to promote amongst people was mental health. you got to take care of your mind because if your head's in a mess, your body follows, your head goes down, you get depressed, you give up. And there's one thing that they want more than anything is for people like you to throw in the towel, to hang up your gloves, to drop your head and say, you know what, I'm getting nowhere. I can't do this anymore. I quit. I'll just go along with exactly. the system, go along with the regime. But they're not going to do that. They're not going to break people for as long as people can talk amongst themselves and keep themselves upright. You posted a great uh, video uh, on your uh, X or Twitter feed, whatever you want to call it. And if you don't already do so, follow Ed at Rise Melbourne, all one word, Rise Melbourne on Twitter. But it's a mate of yours, you said, an old mate dropping monster Australia Day truth bombs. And this is just a guy walking along, talking about how he's feeling, uh, what he's went through, what he loves about Australia and what he misses about Australia. Guys getting together, having a bit of banter, uh, talking, having a laugh, having a heated debate. And at the end of it, remaining mates, not split up, not being exactly. uh, falling exactly. victim to divide and conquer. We need more of that, don't we? Exactly. That's exactly what we're going to do. So again, and I'll go back to the Israel-Palestine. It doesn't matter what side you're on. <laughs> Work it out, mate, because... Those people at the top that are orchestrating all this, they do not care. They will wipe anyone out. They have no sides. They don't care which religion you are. They, they don't care. All their, their whole goal is to keep divide and conquer. Mm -hmm. And they want to break you down, make you feel alone. And that's why I tell people, I understand it's difficult, but you've got to step away from your emotions and keep, keep united. That's the key here, Rick. Stay calm, keep united, and that really frustrates them. I know it does. I speak to police officers. Then, and you know that they're, they're human as well. They're on our side, mate. You just got to be smart here. Don't break any rules. Don't break any laws. Just stop complying. It's easy. It's easy.
You just say no, Marek. You know, we've said that the whole time. Just say no. And don't allow yourself to be isolated. And if you do exactly. feel like, you know, you're feeling a little bit despondent, you feel a little bit like what yeah. you're doing is futile, talk to other people, oh. other like-minded individuals, because we all go through that. I don't know about you, but I mean, I said to uh, Ian Davis yesterday, you know, sometimes you do scratch your head and you think, is this worth it? I'm, have I done anything? Am I making a difference? And you need to remind yourself periodically, or maybe listen to other people that say, hang on a minute. No, it hasn't been a waste of time. Yes, we have seen breakthroughs. Yes, we are seeing things start to happen. The, the cracks are starting to happen in the dam. The ice is starting to melt, but we'll have to keep up the pressure. It's tiring <laughs> and it can get you down at times. We're definitely you know, making ground. Tool. Yeah, we're, we're definitely, definitely, definitely there's no making ground. There's no doubt we're making ground. People are waking up and it's, it's very heartening to see people also starting to realise that the government does certain things just to split groups up. That's as good. So... Look, there's a long way to go. Am I positive? I'm very positive. Things that definitely, you know, we just got to keep, just keep pushing, mate, pushing through. I suppose, Ed, in a strange way, the fact that you've been uh, off, off, the, off the TNT scene for a, a little bit over a year, now that you're coming back, literally end of 2022, start of 2024, there's been a 15-month period there where we can't actually say, well, hang on a minute, the last time you were on, this was the case, but that's not the case anymore. The last time you were on, we were dealing with this problem. That's not a problem anymore. And as you've rightly pointed out, we still have a lot more troubles that are coming our way, and we still have a lot more strife and aggro to get through. But when you reflect back on maybe the last time we did chat, which I think was October 2022, man, we've made a oh, hell a of a lot difference. of ground since then, a hell it's, of a lot of ground. It's a big difference, Rick. You know, I just spoke to someone the other day, and, and he was all sort of pro-vax and this and pro-that. He's also saying he's had enough, so it's definitely changing. I speak to people in the street. I spoke to a lady today, um, just a lady in a supermarket, and it was a, like a health food store, a bit of an alternative supermarket. She's had enough. She's about 65, 70. It says it's changing, and that's good. You've got to keep talking. It's up to us. It's, it's not up to just having a protest or some big, big uh, social media influence. That's up to you on the ground to keep spreading the truth, keep planting seeds. That's what's going to win this, mate. You plant enough seeds, someone tells someone else. That's how a forest fire starts, Rick. So look, yeah, things are good. There's a lot of there's a lot of battles ahead, but I'm I'm confident. Very you know, uh, one of your uh, old uh, haunts for uh, spreading the truth was always the local supermarket. And it's I noticed true. one thing, it's always women you seem to approach to tell the truth to. Do you ever approach men and tell them the truth, I or are you just a I sly do. old dog? I do. <laughs> I do, mate. I do. I approach everyone. I, I look. I'm. I'm literally like a broken record, mate. I have made this into my life, you know. So, and I'm positive about it. When I say it to people, I don't try to scare them. I'm, I tell them, start speaking yeah. up. Yeah. So, we're getting there, mate. We're getting there slowly. I have one question for you before we finish. Uh, it's something that's been burning in my head now for quite some time. One thing that you and I used as a metric for the price or the cost of living increases in Australia was the price of an iceberg lettuce. You remember? Uh, we were commenting on the price. At $10, oh. it was. Remember that? Yeah. So it's been up as high as $10. What's the average iceberg lettuce costing down, now in your neck? Down. Look, to be honest, look, prices are high, mm -hmm. but they're not, I mean, I'm, I'm talking for myself here. They're not outrageous like they were at times. You know, you've got to be smart. You've got to shop local. And I still see people who are on our side still shopping at Safeway and the big conglomerates. I mean, you're part of the problem. Start shopping local, shop around. I'm getting cheap meat. 
I'm getting cheap veg because I go to the local to the local shops. So use cash. You got to use your brain here, man. You know. So this is the time, mate. But we're getting there, Rick. Yeah, it's a timely reminder. Uh, I think we've summarized quite a lot of things in the short time that we've had here today, Ed. And like I said, it's been an absolute pleasure having you back on again. Uh, really missed you on her as well. But although we've stayed in contact on and off uh, off her, but it's great to have you back on again. Just for anybody that doesn't already follow it, please do so on the X or the Twitter platform, whatever you want to call it at Rise Melbourne, M-E-L-B-O-U-R-N-E for all the non-Aussies out there. Just want to give you a big TNT salute this morning, mate. And of course, tomorrow, you guys are celebrating. I don't know if you celebrate it or not, but Australia Day, but whether you celebrate it or not, I hope you have an absolute blast. And I hope it's not another 15 months uh, before you're back on here, uh, yes, all locked and loaded on TNT. So that's uh, the legend, uh, Ed Cooper, a.k.a. Thanks, Rise nice Melbourne. Uh, blast, mate. And uh, hopefully you people are there have enjoyed the show i'll be back on again tomorrow morning at nine with natalie james freeman is incoming with the freeman report so please stay tuned here for the remainder of the day to tnt today's news talk mm -hmm.